Hello, this is Anders from Cadaver. You're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, Anders, uh, you know, thank you so much for joining my podcast today on Interview Under Fire. Uh, interesting last months, last few months for you guys, including all of us, you know, we didn't expect to be where we are today. Uh, first thing is most important, you know, how are, how are you? How are, have things been for you and, and Cadaver as of late? And uh, I guess how long has the, you know, the lockdown been in Norway, if there is a lockdown? Yeah, it's been very interesting this year because I started this year with uh, with a cancer surgery, basically. Wow! Uh, so I survived cancer through through the whole COVID nineteen thing, and uh, as I got better from the surgery, the whole world kind of you know I got better. The whole world <laughs> went down, so that coincided in March. Yeah. So I basically, because I'm, uh, right now I'm doing my last chemotherapy for uh, post-surgery reasons. Uh, so I'm officially out of the treatment within a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. The, the cancer is gone. Uh, I'm waiting for some uh, extra pictures of the whole thing which i took last week on a ct scan there's no no cancer in me anymore and i should be fine for uh for this so i'm really grateful for that and throughout my experience as you all know uh, the whole world came down and uh, it's been kind of crazy because i was <laughs> literally uh, prepared to just uh get better and uh, get out there this summer to play festivals and you know all the stuff that's fun and now everything's off so uh in the midst of that we decided to release this ep called don't give a fuck which was a good idea it's in and uh, it's, it's been... so appropriately titled it's the perfect title for what we are going through i know it's uh Kind of the whole album, actually. Lots of the songs are kind of predicting stuff, but that, that's not really true. But you know, when you uh, when you write about the human condition, as I call it, we we never seem to get it right ever. You know, we're always fucking things up. So there's so much to you know, just uh, take from the whole human experience and. Uh, the lyrics actually for this song is not really about not giving a fuck about the world. It's more like get, letting go of uh, uh, trying to be perfect on uh, on uh, social media and all that stuff. And uh, you know that's the current disease I think, which is bigger than anything, is that everybody is portraying themselves as perfect human beings with perfect friends and perfect cooking and perfect uh, work out routines and all that shit and everybody knows it's a lie everybody know for sure that nobody lives that life they're portraying on social media at the same time we're all pretending to you know get through all this shit without any problems and all that stuff and then that's one part of it the other part is what i'm trying to say is that if you really want to achieve anything in life you really have to give up what other people think you know and um, I think it's a big 
resistance within anyone to try to do anything because they're afraid of what people are saying or people not liking what they're doing and all that stuff is combined with all this attention you give yourself on social media right now which is really devastating especially for young people i think it's uh, hard because they try to be like perfect i'm telling young people like there's there's no such thing as perfect but now 17 we just did what we did and we didn't really care if it was lasting or nothing was there forever you know we had a total different upbringing and i'm trying to kind of push out a positive message to anyone today not just young people but anyone just need to get get your head off the phone and uh realize that you're a human being and um we're fucking things up we can do good things we can do bad things but we have to try to do something you know without having like so many restrictions on ourselves or uh, how we you know want to portray ourselves so i think that's that's a good message to set out there right now especially when people are <coughs> sorry people are staying at home and seeing all these things which is going on uh, in the states with the uh, the riots and all that stuff it's like there's so much, much frustration out there. I think it's also linked to the fact that people are trying to portray themselves as something they're not. And it's probably a part of it. I'm pretty sure. I think you pretty much summed everything in a, just that entire paragraph. Because, you know, with all this negativity that we are experiencing in the world. And, you know, I first and foremost, you know, I just want to... I love that you are cancer-free. And that's... As far as good news is concerned, that I love hearing that. That's probably the best news I've heard of of, <laughs> yeah, of any of any of any subject matter in the last couple of months, and that's important because during a time of crisis, and I feel like it's just building, like oh, yeah. each crisis on top of the other. And I think the challenge is there for you know musicians like yourselves who've actually made a stamp on the work, on the dedication behind what you do, and you're still putting out music and fighting and and for your health and. And here you are, you know, you're you're healthy and and it's when it comes to trying to stay positive during a crisis, that's just the perfect example that I heard from you. And, you know, uh, well wishes to your health from here on out. I hope I hope you never have to deal with that again. It's 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 very encouraging for someone like me. You know, I have my own own illnesses that I deal with, you know, and every day. But hearing something like that from you, it's very encouraging to me. And when you talk about sending the message just sending the message of what you deal with personally is mm. let alone strong enough to get it across. And at a time like this, again, I sound like a broken record. It's very important. And, you know, oh, yeah. I, I think it's, it's very true. And uh, I think it's, um, if, if you just dive into the <clears throat> everyday news circle about all this shit, which is happening in the whole, whole world, and try to you know figure it out you'll you'll lose because it's all just uh back and forward up and down against for you know it's just a mix of chaos and if if you want to do anything in life at all you have to step back a little bit and uh, realize that all this turmoil which is going on is real as fuck but it's also important to not lose yourself in it to you know get uh what should i say uh lost 
bored by it or more like uh, the because there's always hope that something is you know gonna change for the better somehow you know humans always tend to build up all this crazy shit and then come out at the other side <clears throat> with a different perspective and I think that's gonna happen again and for sure um, there's of Obviously, uh, uh, you know, it's hard to tell when all this craziness is going to go away because I think it's going to get worse before it's going to get better, honestly. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the challenging part about all this. It does get worse and, you know, it's important yeah. for people like us to just uh, stay the course. That's true. And uh, I think the more people step back a little bit and take their time to not just like show the finger or react to everything in real time. I think that's going to be good, you know, because right now what we don't need is trigger happy people in all directions, just uh, jumping on any crazy thing or reason to just uh, let, let all your frustration out at the same time. And, um, you know, the, the lockdown thing, you asked me about lockdown in Norway. Norway is obviously one of the most civilized places in the world for all this because we had a lockdown since 12th of March and uh, the social distancing and the closed schools and closed bars and closed restaurants, no concerts, no sports events, all that stuff, but people just chilled out basically about it and waited it out and now we're getting more people out in the streets again we, we only have in Norway 238 de dead people or something yeah so we'll count 10,000 people with COVID-19 or more uh, which is registered or something so um, Norway's doing really well and it's a small country so we should do well but I mean it's so different from even Sweden, you know, because they have like a death toll of almost 5,000 and they have just like t twice the population. So it doesn't make sense. But, you know, it's, uh, I think this, this disease thing, I've been kind of waiting for something like this to happen for a long time because I've been, you know, studying the end of the world as a part of being a death toll guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I mean, seriously, I mean, I'm really interested in history. So this is uh, this is something that we knew would come back at some point. We just, you know, just a couple of genera generations skipped there. But 100 years ago, between 50 and 100 million people died from the Spanish flu, and uh, yeah, we all seem to forget that because it's we all. You know, now we all remember because now that's the closest thing we have to compare it to. But you know, I I I'm being very aware of that as a interested in history guy. But most people are just into the wars and the you know turmoils and all that stuff. But this this pandemic 100 years ago literally killed more people than World War Two and one combined. Yeah. So we should be, we shouldn't be that surprised, but you know, funny uh, funnily enough, we seem to be like, wow, this is actually happening. This couldn't, you know, why and how and blah blah blah. And like, okay, this is 
bound to happen because of the way we treat things. And one thing which is really stupid is to blame where it comes from because, you know, the thing, if you think about it, um, viruses, of course, is viruses. There's also bacteria, which is like the Black Plague was a bacteria. So if the Black Plague came back right now, we probably could have uh, antibiotics. But, you know, our industrial farming in the West, US, Europe, it's the same, basically, using antibiotics in farming industry. And at some point in time, those antibiotics will be outsmarted by the bacteria. Yeah. And then, and then we can have like the, something like the Black Plague coming back within like maybe our lifetime or like 50 years or 100. I don't know. But that's bound to happen. So it's, it's not like we're the good guys doing the right thing regarding to health measures in the world and China is fucking it up but China is big one of the biggest countries in the world and they have like 1.4 billion people or something of course it's coming from there or from India or something it makes sense but uh, it's uh, humanity we, we, we're uh, we're not very good at getting things right in crisis but we're uh, <laughs> We're, we're tried all the time, but we're, uh, this is something which I've been waiting for, really, and it's kind of weird it's happening. You know, and history has a tendency of repeating itself. And yeah. what does history tell us with the Spanish flu? And I'm sure you've seen this about the Black Plague as well. You know, there's always that second wave that comes in. And now yeah. that every, everything's starting to open back up in Dallas, right here in Dallas, they're starting to open up bars and restaurants. And... I'm sitting here at home, you know, because I'm actually co compromised. My immune system's compromised with, with my, with you know, my genetics, and you know, and everybody has their own, and it's just something that I, I fear because I, I, I mean, I'm not saying you know, don't you know, don't go out there; it's going to happen. But it's just something to keep an eye on, and you pretty much just uh, explained it right there how history just it shows that it it can come back and it may, it may come back worse than ever. The second wave might not be now. The second wave might be later on this year. Or next year. That's, yeah. that's the funny thing is that everything's postponed till next year as if it's going to be okay. And I'm like, we have to make plans as humans. But there's, there's no serious research saying that this will be over by next year. It's just we, we, we don't have the time scale for this because we don't understand or we don't I really understand we, do, we don't want it to happen, basically. We want to be in denial. It's better to say that, you know, everything's going to be back to normal next year without any reason for it. Yeah. And uh, say that everything will be fucked next year because it could be either or, but, you know, it's like anyone's guess. This can, like you say, come as a second wave. It can also change how people decide to to do things regardless because... If this goes on for like, yeah, let's say a year or two, people's behavior is going to be changed by that in a way which may never, even may never return to exactly where we were at because that was something else. Right now, it feels so weird when you look at airports, thinking, hmm, I'm not going to an airport. I've been flying so much the last ten years for gigs, you know. It's weird. I've been on into airports every week. 
constantly for the last last ten years or more. And yeah. now it feels like I haven't been there since September last year. And going to an airport right now feels like no, I'm not going to an airport. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the uncertainty of the future. Now, I want to switch gears here because there's so much I want to talk to you about, and I want to dive in the back in, into that as well. So before we get in a don't give a fuck, um, yeah. so being stuck at home, you know, amidst of everything that's happening is because why we're stuck at home. How are you keeping up with your vocals? Like, uh, are you, you, I'm sure you can live in you're in, living in a place where you can just belt out without anyone complaining or anything like that, or is there yeah. anything like that? No, I, I, I'm in a very fortunate situation, as I say. I'm, I'm in this house right now. I'm here by my own. And uh, there's literally no neighbors. I can, I can look out this window and it's like one mile away. It's a house. <laughs> so, uh, and I, so you're good. <laughs> I, have, I, I can do, you know, like. You keep it, yeah. keep it with the guitar chops. There you go. I have guitars, basses, everything here, and I have a, like a studio set up here where I'm sitting. And I have, additionally to that, I have a rehearsal room in another house where I can basically uh, play as loud as I want at any time of the day. So I'm very, very fortunate. I'm I couldn't be in a better place. I can do whatever I want, and I I just rehearsed with uh, my other band called Order. Okay. Basically, it's uh, first Mayhem drummer, first Mayhem singer, and uh, bass player, which is an old friend of us. Uh, uh, he he used to be in a Norwegian rock band called Glucifer. Uh, and we just rehearsed tonight really loud in that uh, place, and uh, yeah, it feels good to just do whatever you want. Does this pandemic, now that you're home, does it... I mean, we talked all about the negativity of the pandemic that's having on all of us. Does it open up new things for you personally and artistically that you may have not noticed before? Uh, well, it's uh, let's say I've been trying to, you know, go through all my archives and stuff like that, which I have never had really good time to do. So that's a good thing to, you know, just sit down and go through all the different recordings and uh like today i actually found like a huge pile of old photographs which i'm gonna gonna scan and stuff like that so i guess that's something a lot of people are doing going it's like the, the, it's like the one in the print right where you where we used yeah. to get go to the store and get them developed yeah. and all the old school stuff yeah awesome so that that's good but one another thing is that because the restrictions on crowds uh, in Norway is going to be lifted to 200 people can gather outside from the 15th of June. So where I'm sitting is an old farm and it's kind of, uh, how should I say, like, uh, there's an old barn, which is like 100 feet away from this house. So between there is like a garden, basically. Yeah. Open field. So, and there's a pond and a stream around it, so it's naturally closed. So I was sitting here the other, like, couple of weeks ago thinking, 
maybe I should do like a small festival for like 180 tickets. And uh, then this booking agent I know just sent me an email saying the same thing. You can actually book famous Norwegian artists for all kinds of genres to come and play for up to 200. So that made me start something called the Ad Hoc Festival. Ad Hoc Festival? Yeah. Okay. Which is basically out outside this house. <laughs> so, so so fans can can buy tickets and then attend this this festival yeah. that you arranged, correct? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I set everything up with a uh, I've I've been uh, promoting another festival before, but this is very different so, because there's restrictions on on uh, travel from Norway to other countries like everybody else, you know. So this area where I'm sitting has uh a lot of cabins and uh caravans in the summertime and this year everybody will be there so there will be like seven thousand people in caravans and cabins just around like five minutes away so if, if i'm if i'm setting up gigs with really famous artists that can do like small shows like acoustic or uh, i have like one of the most famous violinists in norway he he's coming with a keyboard player uh, so I just booked all this really famous, different kinds of artists, uh, and then I thought I have to have something else. I have to have like a soft opening to see if everything's working. So I booked myself to do that. <laughs> when is this? Uh, when are you planning to do this? Uh, in July. Okay, and where can fans buy tickets to this? Well. It's going to be on Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster, okay. And they just and what would they search up for the listeners that are tuning in? Yeah, I mean, if there's listeners, they have to be kind of in Norway to be able to get there, but it will be uh, the Ad Hoc Festival, you know? Okay. So, that's, that's, uh, that's great. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really, really something. And uh, so that's, uh, that's another opportunity which never could occur before because I could never get these artists which I have booked now for that price to this to small event like that because that would be impossible uh, but now we're doing this uh, cadaver show uh, and to make it strange that night I booked uh, the, there's a guy named Tor Torben Gruve, which used to play in Mayhem on drums for a little while in the 80s. Yeah. Between, yes. between Monheim and uh, Hellhammer. Uh, he, he's professional. He's a professional opera singer. For real. Man, so you're, you're going to have everything at this festival. Yeah, so <laughs> it's going to be like <laughs> we're going to have order playing and uh, this guy He's going to do like Sinatra stuff and opera stuff with a piano, piano player and then cadaver for 180 people in a, like a garden party. So that, that, that would never happen before. And now, now it's like you know, stuff like that. May, maybe that will attract people who's never, who, who will never, would never go to normal shows anyway, because if, they don't like crowds or they never find the time or they don't know where to go or whatever the reason is. So you can actually, from this 
pandemic, you can create totally new venues and uh, open up for, you know, concerts in a totally different way. So this is my contribution to the lockdown because everybody's been starving for something to happen for three, four months now. And I, I'm sure I'm going to sell out all the tickets regardless because it's going to be limited. You know, it's going to be like, if I, it's very hard to compare to the US because Norway is a small place and you wouldn't know who I'm talking about. But let's say like the kind of people I'm, I'm uh, booking is the Norwegian equivalent of like Pavarotti and uh, or the most famous violin player and stuff in Norway, which is a big deal. So I can sell pretty pricey tickets for that. So it's an exclusive thing to do this. So I, I love that you have the violin. I actually I play violin myself, so I love the um, I love oh. the comparisons between classical music and metal. I, I I love it that they're just they're just intertwined when it comes to mixing genres. But I that's great that you're doing that. It, does it feel I don't know? Does it feel weird that you're rehearsing for a gig that's coming up? Because not many people are technically doing that. I mean, no, there's live streaming, uh, of course, but yeah, yeah, we I've, I've done that too. But I think I think this this one. Somebody asked me if we want to live stream this. I said I just said no. Actually, this one will ha be exclusively live during the pandemic. So if you want to see this, you have to be there, or you know. You're gonna miss out. So I think that's a factor which is also important to not open everything to streaming and uh, let people really, you know, starve for something cool, and they will come and see that and then feel like it's more special. You know. Yeah, and I want to touch yeah. on the live streaming just really quick because I, I I believe someone like you would have such a great insight on this because I I know you're choosing not to do it, which is that's a very that that's a great noble decision to do keeping it to within your region now we've had so i had i had nilo from insomnium on our show about a couple weeks ago and he was talking about how they took advantage of the live streaming when the first lockdowns began i believe they they recorded the show and then they sold virtual tickets to mm -hmm. fans online and they tuned in so being an artist like yourself and you've been at this for over 40 years and does this do you think the quarantine-induced live streaming surge that's going on right now, do you think it will affect the touring musician business going forward? Do you still see bands doing this even after all this is over? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm pretty sure things are going to change for something we don't really know right now because I myself and Cadaver have this tour coming up in Europe in September, which is not cancelled yet. Maybe it will happen, or parts of it will happen. Hopefully, the whole thing. But I think it's gonna be um, diverse. Like I said, maybe people are getting some people are getting used to the new way of consuming music and like that. But I think people, at the end of the day, will like to get out and see something real. But how they will do that will probably change a little bit. You know. Uh, I'm. I don't know how comfortable I would be if there's like a packed 500 people, intense heat and all that stuff, or 1,000. It doesn't really matter how many. But if it's like really packed right now, that feels like, yeah. hmm. You know, it's just like, should I be there? <laughs> I don't know. 
I mean, hey, if it wasn't, I mean, Vakken would be just around the corner, and we all know how that's like. And you're talking about just, you know, thousands of people, more than that, just yeah. confined in just one spot. But you make a very valid point there. Yeah, I think lots of people, uh, I mean, I, obviously you told me that you have like an immune system thing. Yeah. Yeah, because when I did chemo, still I'm actually doing, I'm in my last chemo session, doing something like that, having like a uh, disease that makes your immune system weaker or something, obviously makes you more aware of the actual risk about all this oh, stuff. Because, definitely. Yeah. So uh, for me, uh, I've been taking like a shot every second week after chemo. I mean, the day after chemo for four months to boost my immune system. And I was, since the 2nd of October 19, when I got my diagnosis, I've been really uh, very on alert about all kinds of illnesses. And uh, I know that anything, COVID-19 or just a cold or flu or whatever, will jeopardize my whole uh, treatment so i've been very cautious before the pandemic came in you know so when the pandemic pandemic came in for me all that changed was that everybody in the whole world tuned into my system <laughs> isn't it interesting it it almost uh, you know god forbid cancer but you know like getting an illness it's almost like a blessing in disguise because it almost makes you think about you don't realize it until you actually get it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because sure. people no. because people will say, you can explain any immune system problems that you have to somebody who actually hasn't had any. And, you know, I have peers who actually have that. And they wouldn't understand unless they actually get it. And when it comes to cancer, it's... And I've, I've lost friends to cancer, family members to cancer. So, again, hearing your news just... Uh, it makes... Couldn't, I couldn't be happier to hear that news. So, but again, that goes back to my point about you don't really know it until you actually get it. And yeah. it's, unfortunately, that's just the way it is, mostly. Um, yeah, and uh, as I said, the the, uh, the point being from what we're, we're talking about concerts is that you and me has been aware since long before this pandemic came in about, about you know, immune system stuff and uh, taking care of your health staying away from people but now um, for me that's eight months in I don't know for you it's probably longer but for everybody else it's just been uh, two and a half months ish or yeah. three months maybe. so everybody still remember well you know when they used to what they used to do but give this another half year and everybody will probably have a different point of view and a different behavior pattern that we never could foresee. And uh, along with that, all these small clubs in the world will probably shut down because there's no business. And uh, not that it's really hard to open up, open up something again, but I think seriously that this will affect what we're doing in the live market more drastically than we are aware of or want or uh, know right now. Yeah. Uh, 
at the same time, you know, things being on screen isn't gonna take over everything because people are just not. Uh, we're social animals, so we have to meet someone at some point. You know, we can't just sit at home watching our phones or TV or laptop or whatever it is. It just doesn't feel like a life, basically. And point taken, because you have that ad hoc festival coming up. So there you go. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure different solutions will pop up like that. Um, different demand. Um, like what we used to, used to call like event shows. Maybe that's the new type of show that people just exclusively buy a few, uh, you know, a couple of hundred people is all that it can be. And uh, for a while. Um, and this will come back and forward. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting time to live in because right now, of course, the livelihood of anyone like me is uh, changing because what we used to make uh, good money from is the summer festivals, you know, because yeah. of the shared size, they pay bands really well in Europe, especially. And uh, there's so many of them that me also being a live musician in Satyricon, we have normally 10 to 12, 20 festivals a year depending on the year, but that's a large portion of what we're actually making in that year, you know? Yeah. So, so that's, that's all gone right now, which is, uh, uh, you know, there's no, nothing coming in to bridge that gap anytime soon. So we, we and that's, that's, uh, equal for everybody in the whole, business and anywhere right now which is good and bad because then everybody needs to figure out the same thing at the same time and there will be different solutions i'm pretty sure what i've been thinking about this small event i'm setting up the festival here is one way to do something uh, i'm pretty sure there's other ways to do something and uh we'll see if we'll this will probably revolutionize the world of uh, vr you know? Yeah, yeah. So people jump into suits and be in a totally different world, more like the Matrix for real or something. That will probably that that could be jump started from this, maybe. I've been hearing whispers about that. I I don't I don't know. I mean, it's it's just see, I don't know. It's just so much uncertainty. You got you just got to take it day to day at this time and week to week and everything. That, you were just yeah. No, it, that is that the digital revolution really happens like the matrix kind of thing i mean not like the, the evil part of it hopefully but that will yeah, hopefully yeah, hopefully no agent smiths or anything like that <laughs> yeah but i mean the the share if 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 somebody gave me like a suit that was set up in a way that made me feel like i was really in that room somehow you know if yeah. that was happening People could probably jump into that will revolutionize absolutely everything because then you could do like imagine the drugs and everything, you know, it will be like a insane trip to do that. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's a whole different discussion about itself. Now, I want to switch gears back here. Now, now, now that we talked about 
how this is almost like a revolution. I mean, I, I don't want to, yeah, for lack I, of a better term. Might, it might be the most important thing that's ever happened in our lifetime. And yeah. uh, it looks like it's going to change the world that we knew in ways we have no idea about right now, which is interesting. And um, I find it, uh, it's, it's really interesting. Basically, yeah, and it's good to be alive in this time and see what comes out of it because it's really right now totally up in the air. And uh, all these old, old politicians in the world will not see what's coming out of it. So, uh, I'm that's another thing which is fucked up in the world. It's way too old people are in charge in the world right now. Some are like, I don't know what's going on, especially in your country. It seems like you can't find anyone under the age of 77 or whatever it is. It's unbelievable. Why do you have like, don't you have like a, a retirement age in the States? I'm like looking at all these candidates that you have. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Don't you have like younger people? You didn't you use like younger people getting into being in charge? Why do you have like, grand granddads everywhere like should they yeah. be in i mean hey i'm i'm right there with you let me go I, apparently not but uh it's where we're at and again this this discussion this topic yeah cornered you are you're cornered in this turmoil in the world and you have like the oldest guys ever running in the country even if it <laughs> doesn't matter what side it is it's like the other one is older than the other. I'm like, oh my god, why do you? How do you? You know, how do young people? I don't know. I, it's mesmerizing. Like, yeah, I think it's a very I, valid point. Prime Minister in Norway, is, she's 56, maybe. She's been there for like eight years, and uh, she's like, uh, just like a concerned aunt. It's like, she's not gonna, <laughs> you know, she's not gonna slip into. Uh, senile mode or crazy shit, but uh, you know, that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's a weird thing for me to see. I'm like thinking, no, wow, yeah, you make very valid points. So, <laughs> man, I would love to talk about that topic. I, I, I'm gonna have to bring you back on the show and hey, yeah. talk more about that. But so much well, to talk about now. <laughs> yeah, so you know, you know, being involved with so many projects, you just uh, talked about that a few minutes ago. You know, Satyricon. I mean, even Magenta, and now you know, Order. Like, I could go on and on about the projects you've been involved with. Have your aspirations as a person, have they, or as an artist, have they changed or evolved since when you first started playing music? Do you see things differently now? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm. I'm involved with a lot of projects, but not really. At uh, they're not colliding at the same time normally so it's just because i've been doing this for so long time such a long time that it's uh, been you know it's a big thing but for me all those projects has different meaning and value in my life and i need different things to balance out if i was do, doing just one thing all the time i would probably feel cornered somehow by you know interesting uh too much you know all the same things so i um i think this it's not only me doing different projects in the world you know that it's pretty obvious that uh, artists are uh, collaborating with others and creating different uh music and stuff like that but it's it's often 
what you did first seriously, which is always coming back. That's why I brought Cadaver back because literally it's it's what I, it's the one thing which I never felt that we uh, I could I could never leave it because it was my brainchild and my first album and all that stuff and uh, uh, basically it was driven back by the fact that I found Dirk Verburn because without him as a drummer and so such an enthusiastic old fan I would never have had uh, you know I don't know I would never have the creativity with someone to to make it as good as I wanted uh, so uh, he's really responsible for uh, the whole coming back with Cadaver and I've learned so much through playing in uh, especially with Saturicon when it comes to professionalism and uh, current music business and uh, uh, top level in, in the genre so that combined is uh, where I'm taking you know Kadaro to now, which uh, but basically my songwriting has has possibly changed a little bit. Uh, the way I found back to Kadaro was to listen to my old stuff and figure out what what did I do when I was seventeen to through nineteen. <laughs> was that a little is, strange, like revisiting your past almost? Yeah, no, but it's, it's it's good to figure out what you know what's the original ideas and what was the original uh, pathways or making stuff to make sure it's original and uh, sounding like itself somehow, you know, because it's that's the thing in the world right now, which it's always been the problem with anything with music is that. Uh, unless it's very personal and felt in a certain way, it's kind of a part of the gray mass. So you always try to figure out what's your style and what's your thing to have, you know, a unique contribution to the music that you're doing. So it's not like, uh, how should I say that? Uh, what I want to avoid is to make stuff that sounds like something else or like direct ripoff or stuff. Which, so, so I try to incorporate what I think is my contribution to songwriting and playing guitar and the, the lyrics and the vocals and then just hopefully that will stand on its own feet and uh, how many people will like that, that's never... You never know, but uh, I know it's niched and it's. I like it to be specialized, and uh, it seems that the right people will always find the right music for themselves anyway. So somehow that kind of clicks, you know. Yeah. So for don't give a fuck, was there a? I mean, what was the what was the driving factor on on coming up with? an EP like that. And I know you were planning to release a new album next year, correct? Yeah, or it's later this year is actually the release date. Okay. Do you have a working title for that album? Yeah, it's called Edder and Bile. Okay. Which was... Uh, Edder is actually another English word, but it's an old Danish and Norwegian word for uh, poison. Okay. 
and uh, bile is basically now I since I did that cancer surgery uh, I know how my bile looks like and smells like <laughs> <laughs> very disgusting experience uh, but uh, I didn't at the time when I chose the title but because in the medieval times they thought that sickness or illness especially mental illness was uh uh had to do with the balance of the body fluids that was uh just bullshit but that's what i thought so if you evened out some of the balance you could get people from being insane to becoming sane again and to spew out ether and bile means pouring out evil basically so it's like an old, old uh, norse uh, danish expression about uh, some beliefs in how about body fluids had to do something with the, your mental health so there's a theme that that goes from don't give a fuck to ether and bio that combines okay. correct now right. now with the theme to what level do you like to have a theme for your records and how important are themes is that more about trying to help you guys write or sound, or is that more for the audience? Because a lot of artists, they don't really care about themes. They just do 10 songs, and that's it, which is fine. I mean, they're going to do what they're going to do. But just yeah. coming from your standpoint, because hearing you describe the way you describe your... just And I got visuals of everything that you described. So yeah, that right there tells me that that you provide, gave a lot of dedication into having a theme for your record. Yeah, I think most artists actually do that and with, with layers of seriousness or uh, there's always things in other people's art which i see as uh, they're not to the other artists because there's you can layer things so deep that the the few the there's literally possibly just like a few people that get it and those will be like ah cool and everybody else is like yeah whatever so, so, so it's um, it's about giving um, the people that really try to see connect the dots and to uh, figure out if there's a theme or what's the whole story here, uh, to give them credit for looking. At the same time, you always, you know, it's not like a concept album as such, but I wanted to have like a statement when I came, like a, with a sort of comeback record. So it's uh, tip, typically choosing one word being Danish Norwegian, which isn't in the English language, will set it apart, you know, ed, but it's also easy for you to say in, in English, ether. Yeah, know? ether, yeah. So, and it means, it's basically, yeah, like I said, means poison, but uh, throwing words like that around, it's interesting now because you can Google it and then you'll find it, you know, regardless of what language you speak. So, and uh, there's more languages in the world using kind of similar, uh, especially old words like that, like old words for poison, or this is also um, like the English word adder, you know, is a poisonous snake. Adder, yes, yes. With a little A, so this is adder with E. And those, obviously, those comes from the same root, basically. You know? Yeah. Those. 
So one means poison, the other one means poisonous snake. So you can see how, you know, at some point when they roll things back in time, things meet, you know? Yeah. A couple and more that, questions. Yeah. 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 A couple more questions on, on that follow-up because, um, so for don't give a fuck and Ether and bile, does it, so we've seen artists right now, they've been moving their album releases back and forth and postponing just because of everything that's going on right now. Has this ever crossed your mind about possibly moving things up? I mean, in the schedule or just, I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, is that something that you want you are considering? Yeah, this is actually us doing that because the the EP was supposed to be coming out after the album, so we switched that okay. around. Yeah, so we switched it around to make uh, some to release some new music uh, out there when everybody else was withdrawing their releases. We thought like, okay, this is a good time to actually release something like an EP, and it's going to be out on vinyl as well. We're working on that right now, and. Uh, but it was supposed to be the other way around. The, the album was supposed to be out in July. And it was supposed to be a different single before this. And everything's just changed around because of all the pandemic yeah. stuff. So uh, because at the time, literally all the manufacturing plants shut down. But I think they're back now. And people now are more used to ordering things online ever than ever. So... Yeah. You know, all the vinyl and the full CD with the cover sleeve. I can't wait to show the cover sleeve because that's been worked out as well. Before. I can't wait to see it. Man, everything that you just described. I mean, right it's, here. It's it's, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things that's like, yeah, I have all this stuff and fuck. When do you come up with the do you come up with the idea of the cover or is this somebody you, you actually work with that illustrates your viewpoint? Yeah, this one I came up with the, the actual idea for the cover, but we have a artist which is uh, working out the uh, visual and uh, designer, and uh, he spent the whole year puzzling if my idea was actually. He landed on the fact that I, I was uh, totally right about my idea, but at the time it was like really puzzled, but. Uh, You'll see when it when it gets there, but it's a very different kind of cover sleeve, and um, it's uh, what we like to do with Cadaver is always to do something different than any other death metal band. So we're uh, always using different coloring than others and trying, you know, everything to just stand out and be different uh, is helpful for us. What I love, what I love about the material that you guys have is not only you guys stick to your roots with the music you write, but even with the covers. The cover for "I Don't Give a Fuck," like I feel like you could just pull it out straight from the '80s, and oh, it'll yeah. just blend right in. I think that was just so neat how you guys just—I mean, you talked about going back into the past and just uh, uh, recalibrating like how you sounded, and you wanted to bring that same sound into what you are incorporating now. Not yeah. only that, it's genius that you guys did that—that that you guys actually stuck with the theme and that goes back into the themes oh yes that's that's another thing actually i had this interesting dis discussion with a different uh, graphic designer the other day talking about styles when things are you know what's used in different time periods and uh he told me something i didn't know that uh, a lot of the 80s 
graphics was actually inspired by the 1920s graphics when it comes to fonts mm. and coloring, uh, which you have to really study to know. But when, when he said that, that makes sense to do it now because that's like, we can nod to 100 years ago, but also the 80s at the same time, you know, with, with fonts and stuff, which I didn't really realize, but that's, that's a good point. And people, you, you know, tend to always think that we are living in the most exciting time ever and everything's happening now, which is better than it used to be. But remember, 1920s was really inspired. I mean, it was at that time, uh, records started coming out, radio was new, movies started to have sound, jazz was the underground music that spread out to become the mainstream. They had all these kind of clubs. They had all the crazy late night uh, nightclubs and uh, all, all, all the crazy stuff that happened in the 20s was so revolutionary to those people in a way that we have seen now with, with technology, with the internet and all that, but it's nothing to compare not having anything at all coming into electricity with records and listening to music from absolute nothing. That's a much bigger jump than what we have experienced, you know, because we're all we're all going through cassettes, vinyl, CDs, streaming. It's basically giving you music and sound and stuff from speakers. Doesn't really you know, it's not fundamentally revolutionary it's more like yeah it's revolutionary that you have a phone that you can listen to all the songs in the world but us just talking right now you know us talking right now it's it's also a revolution but in comparing that to having nothing to do with electricity coming into machines doing these things at all is much must have been such a much bigger break through for people to realize and we and they must have thought, like, wow, this is the future is so, wow, you know, this yeah. is the future. this is so futuristic. We can listen to people on records. We can see the movies with the sound and you know, all that stuff. So we, we tend to forget that, you know, we always think that we're smarter and better than people used to be. And but they thought they were the smartest and best people that they used to be 100 years ago as well. And I think it's always interesting to see how art can. Um, in this time where we're all sitting at home, having a pandemic, all the crazy news, what would you do if you didn't have music, art, and films, and all that stuff, you know? It's, uh, <laughs> it would be so empty. You just sit like in a silent room and look into the wall and think, fuck! <laughs> this is the only thing you can say. <laughs> and that, that's what, what pretty much 1918 I guess you know so we're we're better off but uh, people should realize that the people who are making all that stuff also needs to be recognized also with you know some sort of uh, you know we're, we can't just be pouring out stuff for for free forever you know it uh, has to come back to us and uh, luckily for us we're, we're niche band with the underground scene still alive and the lots of new people coming in to like it and we're able to uh, 
flourish with that, but it's still, you know, it's, we do it totally for uh, the love of the art and everything. We, we, it's literally really, really hard to make any real money on such a specific thing. We can make some money, but the uh, artists out there needs probably to get more, I wouldn't say respect, you know what I mean? Like, because in this time and age, everybody's yeah. consuming all our stuff, but streaming services to pay, like, I don't know, it's not even a cent per streaming or whatever it is. So we need people to buy the vinyls and the merch, and uh, we'll see how it goes with gigs, you know? It's, uh, yeah. it's like, uh, but I, I'm not going to quit doing it because I'm not making enough money. That's not, never been my my object or uh, my thing, you know, it's always been to push uh, the art forward and uh, make it as interesting as possible. And then if it's good enough, well, things come back to you somehow, you know, it's just uh, how things go with uh, yeah. right now. Uh, people should probably think a little bit more about how the world would be if they didn't have anything to listen to or see, you know? Yeah. Very well said. You know, I know, I know we're running out of time. I'll, I'll let you go to sleep here in a second. I got, I'm going to put you on a hot seat here, okay? This is what I like to do at the end of my interviews. It's always the best part. So I'm just going to ask you just a couple questions. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Let's see what you got. If it was up to you, and it is up to you, what would be your artist that you would love to collaborate with that you haven't with already? Oh, that's a good question. Doesn't have to be metal. Hmm? Doesn't have to be metal. It could be outside of the genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Uh, 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 I, I, I would think it would be really, really interesting to uh, to work with uh, someone like Nick Cave, actually. Wow, great answer. Man, uh, he does not get enough credit. And I've, I've interviewed some artists who mention him as a big influence, but, man, as far as men... Put that as a shout out, man. If Nick Cave, you're listening to this, you know, yeah. that'd be that'd be a great collaboration. Talking about blending genres. Yeah, he seems to be he's he knows how uh, things can, you know, get really dark and misty, and uh, he has like a special aura to his all his stuff. Even if he's just playing like a piano, it just feels like uh, you know uh, something else. So. Um, He's on that list for sure. Uh, I was, if I wasn't saying Nick Cave, I would say Tom Waits. <laughs> no? Nice, wow! Like I said, I got to bring you back on the show. There's so many topics we just covered that we I just want to dive into. Now, if you weren't a musician, what would you be doing right now? Oh yeah, that's a, I've been thinking about that too. Actually, I think I would definitely learn myself. Uh, uh handcraft or some sort of blacksmith or uh carpenter or something because i like to build stuff and make stuff so if i didn't make music i would probably try to make something out of metal or wood you know in a way you're you are creating something you are creating you know it's it's yeah. it's sound you're creating music and in a perspective you are doing that so it totally makes sense with the answer yeah all right, uh, last one. Yeah. Uh, are you, you got one thing? You want to share one more thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Five. Yeah, no, I, go I ahead. Was, go ahead. I'm, I'm done with my uh, answer. Yeah. Okay. Five albums you can think of at the top of your head right now. 
five albums. Uh, Master Puppets, Metallica, Seven Churches, uh, Possessed, uh, Morbid Tales, Celtic Frost, The Return from Bathory, and uh, Rain and Blood with Slayer. Oh my god. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I think all those albums you just mentioned, listen, if you're a metalhead and listening to this podcast, those are five albums that every metalhead should have in their discography because... Man, those are, you don't even think. It was just you had them already just in your head. <laughs> yeah, I've been, yeah. No, those, those are uh, seminal albums, all of them. I've been actually, right. today I've been listening to Bathory to figure out uh, how things should be played if they're supposed to be sludgy and dirty. And uh, the first two, three, I mean, the first four albums, but uh, especially the first two Bathory albums is yeah. uh, just so different from anything else. And I find it very hard to understand people into black metal, not really realizing that those albums are, you know, there because to me, that's black metal in itself. You know, those two, that's the, that's the whole thing, you know, almost. Yeah, yeah so, I think... Uh, I think yeah. it's important to talk about the roots of the sound because you see black metal bands nowadays, which, you know, they're, they're good ones, you know, they're, they're out there. And then the fans, I mean, I, I don't know what I'm seeing is like, they don't know where the influence comes from. And when you mention a band that has such a big impact, like Bathory and has such a heavy influence on, you know, a lot of the black metal we hear today, you know, even artists such as yourselves, I think it's just important to note that influence. All right. Okay, man. Any last words you want to promote? Any shout outs before we finish up here? Yeah, I just want to tell people that uh, I hope you all stay safe. And uh, if you're creative, create something. If you're not, start creating something now because I think the world will need more creative people. And uh, all the jobs that is basically moving stuff from A to B will probably disappear and creativity is going to be more important for the future regardless so just find your own path if possible and uh, start doing something <laughs> and everyone who's listening right now don't give a fuck is right out right now on nuclear blast records and the new record will be out you said later on this year is that what you're aiming for not That's a set date correct no, it's late November. It's all I heard the last time. So let's hope for that. Yeah. And uh, don't forget, you can listen to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, all major podcast apps. Anders from Cantaver. Man, thank you so much for being here with me today. I can't wait to bring you back on the show. And I'll see you next time, man. All right. Thank you, man. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade. That's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.